Uh, well, good morning once again. If I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and uh, we are in a series called You Believe That? And, you know, it's interesting if you hear this song or you're singing this song, Lay Me Down, and we sing it to the bridge, and we're like, it will be my joy to say your will, your way, always. And maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking, uh, you know, you believe that, you really engage in that way, and that is what we believe as Christ followers, where at some point we come to this place of faith. We say, we believe you are the Son of God. You came to redeem us, and your resurrection shows that you are God. It shows that God exists, and that we believe that Christ is the only way back to God the Father for us to be made right with Him. And not only that, we say, you are Lord of my life. I lay down what I want now for what you want. And so maybe if you're explaining that to someone, if you are a Christ follower, or you are on the road, or you are in a pursuit of what it means to follow Christ, and, and you, know, you might say, would you believe that? Or somebody might say that to you. And our answer would be, yes. Well, why why is it? What brings it? So we, we talked about how it all for us starts with the resurrection. Like Christ's resurrection is really the first question that you should pursue and ask when it comes to following him because it, it shows us that he is the son of God and that everything begins there with us. And then we look back and we understand his teaching is the words that he says brings life to you and I. And that's where we start with this. And we understand that that uh, what we think was bringing us life is really just leading us, when it, we, we make whatever it is in our world that we can pursue, when we make that the ultimate, it ultimately does not satisfy us. And we can only be found in Christ because He is the only one that is eternal. And so we've looked at, in this series, at the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed for us um, you know, is, is not scripture, but it's something that was developed in the 3rd or 4th century as a way to battle heresy in the church and to concisely state our beliefs. So here's the Apostles' Creed, and we went back and we, 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 uh, we, we did we walk through this uh, in depth on week one of our series. And so you can go back and listen to that on the podcast if you want. But here's what it says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And so throughout this concise, amazing statement of faith that's shared many times all over the world every single week still to this day, we don't, we don't recite it every week here. Maybe you've grown up in a tradition through school or a different church background where you've said this a lot. You've had, maybe you haven't memorized. You've said it so much. I don't know. But we see uh, eternity throughout this. Uh, how Christ, how God has shown his power over death and that there is hope for us beyond now because of all these things. We also see the impacts of sin. Christ had to die. And so last week we talked about how uh, for Christ followers, we all come to this point where we say we need saving. 
that, that we don't just need some little problems solved. Like I need to stop drinking. I need to drink less or I need to be kind or I need to, you know, I, I, I need, you know, you know to, to treat people better in my life or, you know, to have better routines or get away from this addiction or that addiction, whatever it may be. You know, we, these are little things that, that are matter and that Christ wants to impact in our lives. But we are saying, no, we have, a, we have an entire problem that I am broken. And without someone to come and save me, I am going to fall into death. And so we say, I have done wrong. That I am part of the problem that's happening in the world. And we admit that we've sinned. This huge word that maybe is hard for us to say. And all Christ followers come to this point where we acknowledge we have this problem. And that we cannot solve it on our own. And it's only through Christ. But this is one of the hardest things in our culture to ever do. Is to admit. Like every, any lawyer here would be like, don't do that. That's the last, like, that's what we're here for. Let's, let's just be careful about this. Let's talk about this first. To admit brings shame and guilt or maybe even problems into your life. And so we've become very good at hiding. We don't want to experience shame for others. And our culture is going to jump on us if we admit that we're wrong. I mean, this is what Twitter's for, is to admit that we're not wrong and to stay our point and everything. So, but it's at that very moment, moment where we admit to our Father, we say these things, that He meets us instead with forgiveness, mercy, grace, and even celebration. That we've come back to him. And this is why we celebrate Christ so much. Because he has given us a better thing. Everything else we pursue for our enjoyment, and every, if we try to find meaning in it, it ultimately will not last. It's temporary. Only Christ is, is, is eternal. He is, we are proclaiming as Christ followers, the best thing we can pursue. And he has been fighting all along for you to come back to him. So what does it look like then? Okay, all right, that's what we believe, that's why we pursue him. Okay, what, what does it look like to follow him, to, to say to follow him in obedience? And one of the first steps we take as Christ followers is the step of baptism, because it's something that Jesus gave us and he asked us to do, commanded us to do actually. It's this first step of obedience, and it's us saying, I am now following you. And so we, I think that our, our feeling when we hear this many times is like, okay, I'm, essentially, does that mean I'm going to become a nun one day? Like I've got to eventually become a missionary or something in some a really hard place in the world where people go? Like, is this where everybody's drifting to? Like, like, I think that's the feeling that we have. And to which I say, no, God wants, is, like the things that we see around us are, is, is part of his creation. He wants us to enjoy the world. He's calling us to times of rest and peace. In fact, Jesus' words to us that we're going to talk about today, he says this. He says, I have come, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Those are Jesus' own words. So do you, you believe that? I think we hear that, we're like, okay, great, but do you really believe that? Trust his heart when he says this to us. And what's amazing is the early followers of Christ, the people that were beginning when he was here with us on earth, had these exact same questions. They wondered that too. And so Jesus was here to help them see that he was God's son. He has power over life and death. He has the power to heal. And so I want, to, I want us to hear from Jesus himself today as he talks about what does it mean 
to follow him. I just want to use his words today. That's the best thing that we could do. And so I just want to set up the scene here. He has he's been engaging with this group of people that are following him around. And, and in this time, he heals a blind man. A man who had been blind, he was well known, everybody in the community saw this. And in the, in the time, this day and time, like someone who's, who was blind, has, they've, they've just kind of written them off. Like they did something to piss off God. It's essentially how they treated people like this. Like you've done something awful and, the, and God has punished you. And our culture is very much like that today. Like what have we done to, you know, like some bad karma, whatever you want to describe it, uh, we say in our culture, you know, these different things. But, but here it was like very much you are an outcast because of this. And so they would, they would be beggars and they would do different things like this. And so he begins, to, it's a phenomenal story found in John 9. You should read it sometime. And, and uh, so he and this guy starts interacting and he heals them. And this guy is like ecstatic, but understandably, and so you would think like religious leaders around there would be excited too. It's like, hey, we've been studying scripture and waiting for a Messiah. And, and so I think this is it. Like, like you can do this and you think they'd be excited too. Like this is coming. No, they, they have the opposite reaction because they love their status and control. And, and Jesus' ability threatened them massively. And so they start troubling this guy. I'm not kidding. Eventually they kick him out. It, it's a crazy thing. And Jesus confronts them in this. And I love this. And essentially, when he talks to them about being blind, they're like, wait, are you saying that we're blind? And that's basically what Jesus is saying. And the, really the truth is for all of us in this analogy is we all are. We all need rescue. And some things are more obvious. that Our bodies are broken. There's things that we know that can work that don't. And for the blind man, it was just more visible than what's going on for us on the inside. And we need rescue. And so he continues with the, the Pharisees. And this is where we'll pick up. This is found in John chapter 10. And so he says this to him. He goes, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So he begins to do an analogy with him to help them understand this. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And so it says here, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he's telling them. So this is, we see this a lot. Like, he's like, hey, uh, one person's a shepherd, one person's not. <laughs> and it's like, you get this? So they didn't understand. And so it says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And I love this because this is where Jesus, in many times, he claims everything on himself. That he was the only way. You know, people say, well, I like Jesus because he's a good teacher. And, and people say, like, I recognize that. But, but Jesus, yeah, he's a great teacher. He has words of life. But it wasn't just that. 
he claimed everything on himself. That's why when he died, his followers freaked out and scattered because it was all about him. And this is one of those times. He's like, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And then he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's amazing. I love this. This is a God that I want to follow. This is the God that I want to follow. He's like, there. Everything. there's other things in your life that want to steal your life away, kill it and destroy it. He says, don't you understand? I have come that you may have life. And he says this after healing someone, doing something that nobody else could at the time. Even today, like we're beginning to understand our eyes better and we're doing things that help people see, which is amazing as we understand the body more. But even now, this is a significant problem that we don't fully understand. It's amazing. So he continues and he says this, he goes, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not part, not of the sheep pen and I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, meaning to die, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. There's so much going on here, and they're, they're, they're remembering this, or recording this, and, they're, they're, and, they're, and those that are his close followers. And he, this is one of the examples where he talks about his coming death and resurrection. He predicts that it's going to happen. He says, this is coming. I, this, is, this is my plan and my purpose. I've come to lay down my life, and I will rise again. And then it happens. It's amazing. And they didn't fully get this until he rose from the grave. And they were like, oh, 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 you just remember he said this and this? Like, wow. And so he heals the blind. He predicts his death and resurrection. And he's saying, I have come that you might have life. I am the good shepherd. And these claims are so strong to claim everything on himself. And so the response here, it says, the Jews who heard this, heard these words, were again divided. So many of them said, well, he's demon-possessed, raving, mad. Why would we listen to him? Like, this is such a strong thing. But others were like, okay, no, would a demon-possessed man, can he open the eyes of the blind? And and so I think everybody was like, well, that's a pretty good point. (laughs) That's a pretty good point. Okay. And so it, it, it's, it's putting them to this place where they're debating whether he's the Messiah, the Son of God. But Jesus' invitation is to life. And he's helping us see the heart of God. He says, I am the good shepherd. And this is comforting. And it's also a little challenging because it means that you need shepherding. 
You need someone to lead you. And we need someone to follow. Another time, around this, this time, Jesus also said, I am the vine. Another analogy, he says, abide in me. I'm this, we're this connected thing that you need to be connected to me, to pursue me. You abide in me and I in you. And I love this. Jesus isn't calling them, inviting them to keep all these rules, which was everything that was happening around them at the time. To do this and do this and then you'll be okay. No, and, and we, we do this now. Like we want something to follow that we can say, okay, if I do this and do this, then I'm okay. Jesus says, like, no, I've come that you might just fully be okay for all time. And now I'm inviting you into a relationship. And that's different. But in Christ, we are secure because of what he has done. And we can go to our father, our shepherd, and engage with him in a relationship. So what does that look like? What does the good shepherd do? Well, Jesus loved the analogy of this, and it's actually all throughout Scripture. As a, we, we call ourselves as a body of Christ, as a, as a Christian, what we say church, the gathering of God's people, we're called a flock. As in, it's just like one of the examples of how we refer to that we gather as a body of Christ together. And so what does the good shepherd do? How does he lead us? So four things we'll walk through here of how the good shepherd leads you and I. So the first one is this, is he guides. He guides us. And we're going to walk through scripture here that we see that God has given us. And one of them that we'll refer to several times is from Psalm 23, a very famous psalm that if, even if you didn't really grow up in church, you've probably heard it before. And it says here in verse, Psalm 23, verse 3, it says, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, for his glory, which is the best thing that you and I could pursue. It says he leads us along the right paths. He is purposefully leading us somewhere. There's a story that he's weaving. His plan for us, after when Jesus ascended to heaven, was I'm sending you. His plan for us to love this world is, is us being obedient to him and following him and engaging in things. And that's why we, as, as, as Christ followers here in this city, whether you believe in God or not, we want to love this city and do things. And so we have impact events. We, we do just general fun events. We're going hiking at the end of the month. We're doing things. We live in life with one another to be part of his story and be invited in. We, we, uh, we engage monthly at the sharing place, doing a serving thing there. We, like, whatever we can do to be with one another and allow God to guide us. He leads us into the story that we can be part of. He uses you and I to do that. And we can trust him. And he's longing for you to know that he's leading you to life. Going back to what Jesus says, he says, I am the gate, he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd, essentially, he's saying, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls them by their name. He knows them, and he leads them out. He says, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him, because they know his voice. It's this picture of leading us and guiding us. He's leading us into this story that you are invited to be part of. It's amazing. It's amazing how we, we, when you get to know someone, and this is really a picture of knowing someone, that, that you understand. That's why we have phrases like, well, they're like, hey, you know, you know, you know this person, you know Sarah, and like, 
you're like, no, I don't really know her. I haven't, I haven't spent that much time with her. You know this person, this guy over here is like, no, I, we've never really hung out. Like, I don't really know that. Like, we say these things all the time. Time with someone helps you get to know them. I remember being at some concert, and I was hanging out with my friends, and I knew my parents were there as well. Um, and some, out, some event that we were at, it wasn't outdoors, indoor event, and uh, in the city, and, uh, and so I was like, I wasn't sure if my parents were there, and there's was, there was a place where everything was silent, and then my dad coughs. He was like in the balcony, and you know, people cough, right? Now we're scared to cough. You guys are freaking out right now to cough, because everybody's going to think you have COVID, or you're worried everybody thinks about it. Like, uh, my, my wife and I were at this thing this week, and she, <laughs> she got choked, and she's like coughing, and we're, and it's, anyway, so I, I can't chase that rabbit. So, it, but, uh, we're, we're, it's all love here. It just happens. So my dad coughed, and I knew it was him. I mean, like, it was like, well, he's here. And, like, it's just, I live my life with him. Even his cough is so distinct. I know that nobody, everybody else is like, some dude coughed. Like, they don't even, they don't even hear it because it's so normal and natural. And I just know it. I know he knew him so intimately of growing up with him that I know that. And this is the picture that Christ has for us. And so he's someone to get to know, to lead us, and to guide you and I. So he guides. The second thing for us is he provides. Going back to Psalm 23, the first three verses, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, in this area, we think that purely financially, which is true. God wants you and I to learn to trust him with money. That we give out of our leftovers because it frees us up. We are not bound and controlled by money. And it, God wants us to, to, to trust Him in all things. That is true. But it's not just about money. It's about who we are. And you'll see this. It says, he says, I lack nothing in His whole self. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. If you look at this as a phrase, it's amazing. He says, he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. He refreshes, he restores my soul. That's what we want. That's what we long for. I mean, right now in our world, our, our souls are not at rest. We've got problems with global health. And you just think about economics in our own country. There's, there's some division. I don't know if you've heard or seen. <laughs> and like, we're just not at rest. We're not at peace. Even people that say, I'm religious and I believe these things, there's not peace. Our shepherd says he will guide us. And so and see, we, one thing we know about sheep is that they won't lie down if they're, they, don't, they don't feel safe or they're tense, they're hungry. If they're afraid, intention. And so this analogy, David was writing this as a psalmist here, and he, he was a shepherd as a boy. He would understand this. Makes me lie down in green pastures. It's this, this, this feeling of safety, security, at peace. It says he leads me beside quiet waters. Apparently sheep won't drink unless it's, it's calm, peaceful. He restores, he refreshes my soul. What an amazing picture of our shepherd. And I'll just admit, I struggle with this one. 
it's hard for me to stop. Like, I'm energetic. I love to go for it. And so for me to stop, it feels like something's wrong. <laughs> for me to stop work and to rest is hard. It's not easy. But at the same time, it's everything I want. It's everything I want. I want to be at peace. I want to just relax. And that's the God that's pursuing us. Not only that, but he's come to rescue you so your soul can be at peace. Without him, we don't have security for eternity. And he's the one that provides that. He provides. <clears throat> he guides us, provides. And the third thing is he corrects. He corrects. Now, this is the one we'd like to skip more than anything else. Like, all right, it guides me. He, it's my soul. I'm, I'm all in. Like, I'm there. Okay, great. But now it's like he corrects. I mean, listen to this. Job is speaking this. And Job was someone in scriptures, uh, and this is something even outside of people of faith, they, they're drawn to the story of Job and went through, God led him through very hard times. And here's what he says. He says, blessed is the one whom God corrects. Okay. He says, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Meaning that God is purposeful in this. He says, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He enters, but his hands also heal. And there's places throughout nature where we see it's necessary. When Jesus talked about, I am the vine, he says, I prune the vine. I break off branches of the tree that, that, are, you know, that will hurt it so that it will grow, that it will flourish. And that was the analogy that Jesus used with us. And man, if you've ever gone through a time like that, we're like, this is, this is awful. This is sucks. And it's usually you praying, God, take this away from me. Whatever it is. And I joke, and I say this all the time. I find when I've prayed that prayer for a couple of weeks, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I slowly and reluctantly, like, God, give me the strength to face this. Because he's leading me through things that aren't easy. He's correcting me as he leads my life. And we don't like this. This is just our natural thing. Like if you have a, as you have a teenager, if your parents ever grounded you or maybe took your phone away, or if you're a parent now and you're having to make these decisions, they're like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm getting disciplined. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad. I can't see my friends all week, right? Like that's amazing. Thank you. That's, that's the normal reaction, right? And then they're like, oh, and you're going to take my phone too? Great. Thank you. I mean, that's what this is describing. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. No way. Like, we're like, and so the scripture is analogous, right? So in Hebrews, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. So like, look, we understand this, right? None of it does. But not only that, but it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. A good parent knows there's joy that comes from keeping our kids from danger. There's a, there's a liveliness in your household from kids who are peaceful. They are happy. It's amazing. And God knows that for us as well. It's important that we are open and willing to be led and to be shepherded. 
This is how we start our relationship with Christ. It's why it's one of the beauties of baptism is we say, I'm starting with your will. It's why we sing, lay me down. And maybe you didn't really believe that this week. We're like, God, I'm coming to you because you have the words of life. I trust you. He corrects. And the fourth thing is this, is he protects us. He protects. This is all over everything that we're reading, right? And so going back to the psalm, continuing in verse 4, it says, Psalm 23, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Why is that? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This rod is a, is a place used for discipline and comfort. He taps the sheep. He's like, he's there. I know it. He's with me. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Faced with the hardest things, the people who are against me and enemies, you're with me. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's so beautiful. That's why we love this psalm doesn't promise that there's no hurt or pain or hardship. No, even if I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. Jesus speaking about this in Luke, he says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And it says that he goes home and he celebrates and throws a party. I found the sheep. This is your, the heart of your heavenly Father. He's coming after you. He wants to protect you. He wants to save you from danger and destruction. And we pursue interest. We make things of God and things that are not wrong or bad. Money is not wrong or bad. Pleasure is not wrong or bad. The enjoyment of life and, and concerts and vacation. But when we make these the ultimate, the ultimate pursuit, whether it's your career, whatever your identity is in, it won't satisfy you. It's, it's not going to last. But he will. He protects and says, I want to lead you, lead your heart to me and to what is, most, is, is best. So he's guiding us. He provides for us. He corrects and he provides. He protects, excuse me, he corrects and he protects us. And what's interesting is this, as we wrap this all up here, is that he is our good shepherd, but we've also been called. That's not the timer for me, by the way. <laughs> I have a couple more minutes. <laughs> but he calls us to shepherd one another. I, I, the, in Scripture, the word for pastor, uh, overseer, elder, is also shepherd. It's used in that way. I am called to shepherd us as a church family. This specific body of Christ here in Georgia City, but it doesn't just in there. We are called to shepherd one another. It's why we have dinner group leaders. We have team leaders that are leading different teams with our kids team, our first impressions and production and band to, to come together and lead us. That's why we have this. We can be shepherded. We can shepherd one another. And so I'm called to do all these things, to shepherd you in your heart. And one of the things I love, I do, is I care about your heart. And that means that I'm protecting you. I make decisions. I'm guiding you and leading you and sharing hard truths. And yeah, I, God calls me to correct and say hard truths and make hard decisions that are best for us. And that's where I like to run away from God because I don't want to have that happen to me or do as someone. But that's his, what he's loving to do. It's how I lead my children and how he's called us to lead one another. 
And it doesn't always look the same. But you were invited into this relationship with God. And maybe you're not a Christ follower today, and so the invitation for you is just come and see and listen. That's what was happening when he said this in John 10. They were gathering to see. You see, there were people that hadn't believed yet. Some of them were like, oh, that's the Son of God. Some of them weren't sure. You're invited. Is, Is he the Son of God? To come and to find out. For Christ's followers, we've been called to shepherd, be shepherded and to shepherd one another and engage in your heavenly Father, your good shepherd. That's why you need a dinner group. You're invited to connect with us. Take a step to connect with us. Maybe you want to just take a first step. Well, be, be with us at the sharing place. We do that once a month. It's a phenomenal place to start. Sylvia will share that about that in a second. You were invited to engage this good Heavenly Father during the week. It's why we read Scripture. It's why we take the steps of baptism. It's why we give. It's why we take time off. So our souls can be at rest. The world needs this right now. The world needs a good shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the words of life you've given us today. You know our hearts. God, the world is in chaos around us. The world is not at peace. And I will say, we are not at peace. God, I know my own heart. And I'm clenching my teeth during the week and I'm, I'm waking up to decisions and I'm all these different things and I want to pursue my own way, my own comfort, and my own devices. Everything in me wants to run away from you and it does not bring me peace. Father, I need you. I need a good shepherd. May we learn to trust your voice and to know your voice. That we would walk away from trying to make it and do good on our own or feeling guilty because we couldn't. That we would instead engage in relationship and come to you and know that you are seeking us no matter what we say. I pray that we would begin to experience that kind of love, freedom, and peace that we only find in you. Jesus, we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.